0: Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. George Lucas has got himself in the news again. John with no H sent this to me. Thank you very much, sir. From SF Gate and Tessa McLean wrote it. George Lucas sues Marin Town to protect his driveway. To protect his driveway. George Lucas created, of course, the Star Wars universe, creating a cast of characters such as Jar Jar Binks and a compelling narrative that's captivated audiences for decades. He's also established a physical empire of his own in Marin County, dubbed Skywalker Ranch. And he does go out of his way to protect his ranch. So the director filed a lawsuit recently against the heirs of his deceased neighbors, as well as the town of San Anselmo, in an effort to safeguard a strip of land that he uses as a driveway. Now, this was first reported in the Independent Journal. Uh, The paper says in its summary of the complaint that Lucas believes that four deceased neighbors might, might have been granted an easement over a portion of the strip and that two other deceased neighbors may have had an interest in the strip. Now, you have to understand that if there is a dispute over property and the title is clouded, meaning that there's questions as to who owns it. Is it owned by one person, two people? Is it owned free and clear? Or does somebody have an easement over it? You you, you can go to court and get all that settled, okay? And, And so that's what a court action would do in a situation like this. And so unfortunately, if you are going to do this, you have to make sure that all the interested parties are part of the lawsuit. So arguably, you could go and meet with everyone and say, guys, can we settle this and figure this out? Very, very difficult to do that. So it's one of those things that does require a lawsuit to settle this or to resolve this. Lucas alleges in the complaint that he's been using that land since around 1990. That's a long time, my friends. When he graded the driveway and he later paved it in 2021, he says it's been used exclusively by him or people he's authorized to use it. So he says he's got exclusive use of it which is important when we talk about adverse possession, because if other people used it, then they could say, well, we've been using it all along also, and we thought that we had the right to do that. So the attorney for Lucas says, we are taking this procedural action to clean up century-old surveying errors so that they reflect the reality of use and ownership on the ground. San Anselmo town manager David Donary told the Marin IJ, that the town council will meet to discuss the matter. This isn't the first time that Lucas has filed a lawsuit against the town. In 2020, he sued the town and a family that used to own his house to clear up a discrepancy over a property line near it. Lucas purchased the land that his ranch sits on in 1978, but didn't begin squabbling with that surrounding community until seven years later. The uh, director canceled plans to build a third expansion to his 6,000-acre property In 2012, after residents expressed concern, including a fear that light pollution from the studio would mean our dark, starry skies would be destroyed. Uh, Another battle broke out between Lucas and his neighbors in 2019 when Lucas proposed building a vineyard at 3838 Lucas Valley Road, not far from the Skywalker Ranch. This showdown pitted his properties against a local landowners association which complained that the director's proposed 624-acre vineyard would be an eyesore and threatened to take him to court. So here, it's simply a matter of trying to settle exactly the title to the land underneath the driveway. So it's a long driveway. He's been using it for quite some time. And he says there might be some issues with the titling, and he wants to get that resolved in court. And of course, if you are one of the people he'd sued, eh, it's no fun to get sued. But of course, if you got sued and you had no qualms with what he's doing, you can simply contact his attorney and go, look, I'm not going to get involved here. I'm not disputing any of this. And that would be one of those rare occasions where I would suggest that literally being defaulted might not hurt you because the only thing that he's going to get is whatever's in the complaint, assuming the complaint simply asks to settle the question of the property. So you'd read that to make sure that that's the case. If he's asking for punitive damages, you don't let the default happen. (laughs) But it's another story altogether. But I have to tell you that land issues are often a problem because someone buys a piece of property. And they go, I bought a piece of property. It's exactly one acre. Okay, one acre. Most people cannot go outside and simply look around and go, okay, an acre is exactly from there, 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 there. And so what happens is most people go out and they think, well, I know roughly where my property line is. But they don't say roughly. They go, I know where my property lines are. And some people don't. I've mentioned before I had a problem with a neighbor who was off by 20 feet. 20 feet. There's no question he's off by 20 feet. He was convinced his yard went 20 feet into mine. It didn't. It didn't. And sometimes there are even bigger issues than this. I know somebody who owned a piece of beachfront property in Michigan. And they knew exactly how long one side of that was. And they discovered a problem. Because elsewhere in the property records... If you measured from one side of this one section, this one property marker would go here. But if you measured from the other side, it would go here. And apparently, when they were surveying it originally, over 100 years ago probably, some surveyor made a mistake. Made a mistake. And so they sold off properties on this side that were so far measured from that point, so far from measured from that point, and they sold properties here measured from this point, this point, this point, and at one point in time, two of these lines crossed. And you could resolve that, but that's the kind of thing you talk about adverse possession depends on the length of time uh, will be based on the state you're in. So in Michigan, it's 15 years, the common law is 20, in some states it's as low as five. But if you own a piece of property or you think you do or you treat it like you do and you occupy it exclusively and there's a bunch of other things, but you basically use it and you exclude others from it, you pay the taxes on it, you do everything as if you own that property. After a period of time, it becomes your property. And they do that because it wouldn't make sense to say, oh, you know, 120 years ago, they made a mistake over here by three feet. So this property that you thought was yours, you treated it like it's yours, you've been paying taxes on it like it's yours, it's not yours. Well, it is yours now, okay? After 15 years in Michigan, 20 years elsewhere, or as low as five in some states. And so that's one of the reasons that adverse possession makes such complete sense, okay? But the real question is, but were you using that three-foot strip over here? How were you using it? And if you didn't fence off your property, someone's going to come by and go, no, but I've been using it too. Because using it doesn't mean that you build on it necessarily. It just means that you, whatever you do with your property, you do with that property, which means you, it might not be much, much interaction. And so I've heard of stories like that. And also, uh, I wrote a book about Douglas Houghton. And Douglas Houghton was the first state geologist in Michigan. But he also, for a while, as a professional, was a surveyor. And he had crews of people that would go out in the wilderness and survey land that had not been surveyed before. And they were marking it and measuring it and making maps of it and following the maps and Lansing. Fascinating stuff. Absolutely fascinating stuff. Originally, these guys were working with compasses and chains. They were not working with transits or any of these complicated devices that you see nowadays. They weren't working with GPSs. We're talking the 1840s. 1840s. And I've had people say, but Steve, they had stuff more sophisticated than compasses and chains in 1845. Yes, they did, but they weren't using them. There's, a, there's actually a museum of surveying in Lansing, and they've got on display the chains that were used in the surveys. And a chain, in case you're curious, is a measuring device. But a tape measure or a rope might stretch over time, but a chain, if constructed properly, won't. So these guys would measure a length with a chain. Mark it, move down, do it again, do it again. And so as you can imagine... Any mistake you make anywhere along that line gets built into the final results. And they measured all the way from Sault Ste. Marie all the way across to Wisconsin. And by the way, the pin that's in the ground that they started from when working their way across at the north end of the meridian, that pin is still there today. It's got a cement obelisk around it and a a cap on top of it that's brass, And it says what it is. And it's the pin at the north end of the north-south meridian. South end of that line is in Fort Defiance, Ohio. And so they measured across from that spot. And again, how accurate are they compared to how accurate things are today? I've spoken to a surveyor recently who's got one of the modern things. that has got the antenna on top of it, Trimble. And it's using GPS satellites and stuff. And the guy was telling me how accurate that thing is. And it's much, much more accurate than a bunch of guys out in the wilderness using chains. And so the interesting thing is that quite often when they would get to a point where they were going and they found an important spot, perhaps the intersection of two sections or something, they would then decide, we're going to put a marker here that's going to be more important than some of the other markers we placed. And if there's a tree near the spot, they'd go over and they scrape the bark off the tree and they'd carve in the tree all the important numbers about where they were. And then they'd make a note in their journal and say, okay, at the intersection, three feet northeast is a tree and it's got the numbers written on it. And those are called bearing trees. And the bearing trees were carved in the 1840s. And I have had a photograph sent to me within the last year by a guy in the upper peninsula of Michigan who said, Steve, just to let you know, as part of a class I operate, uh, we were out in the woods looking for a bearing tree and we found one carved by Douglas Houghton or his men in 1844, 1845. And some of these trees are still standing, some of them are not, but I've spoken to other people who say, yeah, they find them periodically. And the interesting thing the guy told me, he goes, besides the fact that we find these bearing trees, which are really, really cool because they're so old, he goes, they're not that far off, despite the fact it's guys with chains and compasses trying to walk a straight line. He goes, you'd be surprised at how accurate they are. He goes, so that starting at Sault Ste. Marie, by the time they get over to the QAnon Peninsula, you'd think they'd be off by miles. And he goes, no, they're off by inches, sometimes feet but it's not as bad as you'd think. And so you can imagine that there were times where, believe it or not, they'd start surveying from one end over here of the state, and they'd start surveying over here to get this way. And when the surveyor's met, sometimes they'd be off, just a little bit, just a little bit. So, you know, the only way to resolve this is to go to court and quiet the title, we call it. Quiet the title. So you want quiet title to your property. And George Lucas right now is suing a Marin uh, town and actually, it's the people there, uh, many of whom are simply the descendants of the people who owned the property back when he first started using it. And this is to protect his driveway. He's trying to protect his driveway. So I suspect it's a lengthy driveway, but he actually drove on it for quite some time uh, without paving it. But he did, in fact, pave it in 2021. So there you go. John with no H, thanks for sending it. That's like uh, Steve with no N. <laughs> SF Gate published at Tessa McLean wrote it. Questions, your comments, put them below. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. Honk, if you love peace and quiet.